your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Lockdown Long Orange Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my co-host, Cammy at Cammy and G. Just want to remind you, this episode of the Lockdown Long Orange Podcast brought to you by our friends over at Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. They're going to give you $10 off your first purchase. And if you act soon, they're going to throw a cooler in there for you. I mean, what's better than that? Keep your Bill Bar nice and cold, or maybe you got some cold beverages. Cammy. Would you throw some cold beverages in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. I would make um, some good use out of a free cooler like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check it out. Go to BillBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Uh, well, Cam, we got a full show today. We'll talk a little bit about Mac Brown on the Dan Patrick Show. Okay. We got some uh, recruiting news, some negative news. We're going to talk always. about that. As always, you know, there's, there's always that. There's positive and there's negative. Today, it's a little more on the negative side but we're gonna walk you right through it uh and then we got a a little bit of uh we're gonna talk about the quarterback room uh espn's win probability and uh some quarterback ranking so lots to talk about uh we're gonna kick it off with what mac brown said when he joined the dan patrick show he was asked about the decision for the big 12 the acc and the sec to play versus the big 10 and the Pac-12, and, and he said it seems to him it came down to a difference in medical opinion, listening to the scientists, the medical experts. Um, they just didn't feel it was as safe with, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. However, if you listen to Sam Ellinger, uh, he talked a little bit about it, and he said that Texas is really the gold standard when it comes to keeping their athletes safe. Yeah, and I completely agree with them. And we've kind of alluded to that uh, throughout the past several weeks. How Texas seems to be the most organized um, with their health and safety precautions. Obviously, it's working for them. They haven't had any outbreaks or um, I think even one single positive test within all five sports on campus. So um, obviously, we mentioned they're very structured environment. The players feel safer there. I know uh, with the Big 12 specifically, they're uh, very grateful that players were included on all the uh, conference calls with the Big 12 commissioner. So um, yeah, I, I do believe Texas kind of leading the charge here. You know, the, the thing that's interesting about it is it, it's not just that Texas is providing the best environment. And we know that they are. I mean, we've heard from the Longhorn parents that they mm-hmm. think it's, you know, fantastic for their their kids to be at, you know, on campus with the football team. They think that, you know, they got all the, the athletic trainers and everything. You know, Mac Brown talked a little bit about it, you know, and the and scientists were telling him, you know, how to eat, where to eat, how to socially distance in meeting, you know, what to do when they're outside of the facility. You know, they, they've gone through all of these things. So, you know, it was it was interesting. Uh, but like like I was saying with the parents, as they think it is. But the thing with Texas is they're being very transparent. I mean, they right. have, you know, they're meeting with the kids. Uh, they met with the parents, you know, let them know what's going on. Um, and obviously, with the media availability and the information that's being sent out, uh, Texas is not hiding anything. I mean, basically, anything that they're doing inside the building, the media knows and the fans know. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the smartest things they could have done throughout this entire process. I mean, no one's this is uncharted territory. No one's had to, I guess, work through something of this um, nature. But yeah, like I mentioned, I think Texas is leading the charge here. It seems to be working for them, and hopefully it continues that way throughout the season. Yeah, that's the big hope. You know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Recently, 
uh, on uh, the NBC affiliate there in Austin. Uh, I don't know if you heard this. Dark uh, Doctor Mark Escott uh, was spoke with them, and, and he doesn't think it's safe at all for fans to be in the stadium. Uh, he thinks twenty five percent is too much. Well, see, the the problem I have with that is because I mean, it's that's saying it's not safe for us to go to grocery stores, which I, I'm sure all of us have been doing over the past several months, and um, maybe just something as simple as pumping gas or things like that. So I think you're out there in um, different environments that I think are comparable to that. And I think if you're like Texas, where you have the contactless um, entry, everything. So that's with concessions, that's with your ticketing, everything. You're wearing a mask the entire time that covers your mouth and nose. Um, you're obviously social distancing. So I don't see why um, that's considered unsafe more than something like um, a grocery store or restaurant or something along those lines. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because uh, in the interview uh, with Escott, he, he even said, like, even with high schools, he goes, he goes, let's first just get the football teams out there. And then we could, you know, if they're showing healthy, then we could slowly bring in the parents and yeah. slowly bring in, you know, and I, I don't agree with that. Um, and, and it's not just because I want fans in the stands, but like you said, I don't think it's, going with 25% because obviously you think about it. So you're going to have 25,000 people in a stadium that holds a hundred thousand. You could be, you know, socially distant in that stadium. Right. And I don't think it, like you said, it's any different than going out there because that's the thing. It's like, if we're so scared of, of going to the stadium and and doing these things, it's no different than the grocery store because people are going to go to the grocery store regardless. Yeah, exactly. They have to. Exactly. But I'm not saying you have to be in a stadium, but that's my whole point. It's like they're going to be out there. You're going to get exposed to it Mm -hmm. one way or the other. You know, it's kind of like they were saying with the cancellation of football with the, you know, the Big Ten and and the Pac-12. And, you know, it's like they're allowing them to practice, but not to play. But to me, it's like, well, if you're allowing them to do that, what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you can make an argument for a case that you can't social distance as well. And for example, like a a Target or Walmart or a grocery store, as well as you can um, with a basically majority empty stadium. So uh, yeah, it's just, it kind of seems like a game to me and opinion based because um, the medical advice is just so different uh, depending on where you're looking to get it from. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, it will be interesting and we'll follow it along as we're now a little over three weeks away from kickoff. I uh, thought it was interesting. Uh, Mac Brown also mentioned uh, when Dan Patrick asked him, what's the coolest thing you got in your office? And he oh. said, oh, it's the national championship trophy. That's just over my shoulder. Um, you know, and, and he said that he's hoping that every recruit sees that. And, it, and obviously it's a good recruiting tool. It he's is. Getting, yeah. He's getting good athletes out there in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, but he talked a little bit about the national championship game. The mm-hmm. final call. And he said that it was Vince Young's call. It, the play was menu two. And uh, Mac Brown went on to say, uh, he told Vince, he goes, if you see somebody open, throw it, but your legs are, are darn good enough to get us five yards. And so so he said, "Is you know, before that, they were like, is there a play that you want to run? And Vince said that play. 
Ooh, yeah, I think with a quarterback of that nature and athleticism combined with, I guess, a critical moment in the game, you have to give him the option uh, to either pass or run, depending on what he's given. So I think as we all saw, that's exactly what happened. I think that was the smartest. I think that was the smartest decision. So um, but it's pretty cool that he allowed Vince to kind of take charge right there. Yeah. And and the other thing that Dan Patrick brought up was he asked him, you know, why didn't Vince Young work in the NFL? And, and Mac Brown had a very interesting answer. And he said, well, in some ways he did. Uh, rookie of the year, comeback uh-huh. player of the year, led the team to the playoff twice. He was he was also uh, Pro Bowl twice. So he just said, hey, you know, you know, it worked uh, to a point. Uh, he may didn't maybe he didn't have the the season that they expected, but you know, it was still up there. Yeah. And we've kind of referred to that a couple of times on what happened in the NFL with him. And I think it was obviously, as we know, some off of the field um, scenarios that didn't go his way, but I think it was a lot of coaching staff as well and developing as a quarterback and an NFL player and things that way. But uh, I, uh, we've also mentioned that he was really, really wanting to go to Houston and be selected by Houston in that draft. And so I think that was kind of disheartening for him to kick off his NFL career. But yeah, I think it was a mix of off the field stuff. I think it was a mix of coaching staff and development. And um, but you're, you're right. He was fairly successful early on. So I wouldn't say it was a total uh, scrap of an NFL career. Yeah. And one of the one of the interesting parts is, you know, he said that, you know, when a player leaves a year early, sometimes they're not mentally ready for it right um and, and the one thing that he talked about was there was a situation there in tennessee for events that he had to deal with in that the head coach jeff fisher and norm chow who's the offensive coordinator at the time who came over from usc they wanted matt liner but the owner wanted vince young so he he was kind of forced into that situation where the head coach and the offensive coordinator wanted a different guy but yet they had vince young and it was it was almost like they were stuck so it just seemed like right off the jump that that relationship was bad and ultimately it didn't work out for Vince uh long term but you know he did he did do some things in the NFL but maybe not to what we wanted or he wanted yeah exactly so I I don't know that's a that's a what could have been type of scenario for me yeah all right now next we're gonna get into the uh the bad news as far as the 2021 recruiting class and what's next but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Bill Bar. You know, Bill Bar has this fantastic tasting. It's an energy bar, but really it's a nutritious candy bar. It tastes great. Low calories. We're talking 130 calories per bar with their new improved formula. 17 grams of protein in every single bar, at least 17. Uh, and then only four grams of sugar on, mo- on most bars. I mean, Cami, do you like a cookies and cream? Oh, I do. They have one. You can go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're getting $10 off your first box of 18 bars. Four grams of sugar, 17 grams, 130 calories. They got some other stuff that I really like. Uh, they got they got a they got a coffee almond. How about a German chocolate cake? Okay, I'm getting excited here because. Do you like walnuts? Because they got a carrot cake with walnuts. Comes with 18 grams of protein. You got to check it out. It's great. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Tell me your friends over at LOCKDOWN Longhorn sent you. So for the 2022 recruiting class, the Texas Longhorns got the number one quarterback in the class. Quinn Ewer, South Lake Carroll. 
mm-hmm. we knew there was going to be fallout, and there was. Uh, we had heard rumors prior to Quinn Ewers' recruitment that Jalen Milrow was being sought after by Alabama and Nick Saban. Yeah, we were actually worried that he wasn't going to uh, even commit to Texas to begin with. And then even after he announced his commitment, Alabama was still going hard after him. So, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. It was a tough one. You know, they dealing with a recruiting class where they already lost James and Tommy Brockermeyer of the Legacy Twins, uh, many thought was a foregone conclusion they were going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, their, their brother plays at Texas, Luke. Their dad played at Texas. Their grandfather played at Texas. Uh, but they decided to go to Alabama, so there was already two. So now the third, Jalen Milrow decommits from the University of Texas, commits to Alabama, and now Texas is without a quarterback for their 2021 recruiting class. Does that have a huge impact? Well, Maybe. I think, yeah, I think the biggest impact, or one of the biggest impacts, I want to say the biggest, because obviously we know how talented Milrow is, and um, he could likely go and start uh, at at, at Alabama when Texas actually has to face them. So that'll be interesting. But I think one of the biggest uh, losses in terms of that uh, decommit is that Milrow did a lot for that particular recruiting class. We always saw him on social media um, trying to get uh, highly touted players to come over and commit to Texas. So um, from a recruiting standpoint, it was huge. But I mean, I think everyone completely understands its decision because it's kind of going to go uh, by the time Milrow even gets there, he's not really going to have much of a chance to win that starting job. So um it impacts it significantly, but like we mentioned, there's so much talent in that quarterback room that I don't think we'll see a drop off at all. Yeah, there's the talent level on the Texas quarterback room. There also is the talent level at Alabama. It's not a uh, – I don't think that Jalen Milrow looked at Quinn Ewers and thought, I didn't have a shot, didn't want the competition. Right. I think he looked at it as is – that's Mike Yurcich's guy, so he's obviously going to get more opportunity. Yeah, uh, I could. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I mean, and I say that because even in his decommitment message, uh, Jalen Merrill said, "You know, thanks to Coach Yurcich, even though I wasn't your guy." Yeah. Like he understands, and and, and it makes a hundred percent sense if you think about it. Mike Yurcich has a particular style quarterback. He likes pro style quarterbacks. He's not the dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to his most successful quarterback that he had at Oklahoma State, Mason Rudolph, 6'5", 210 pounds, coming out of the 2014 class, pro-style right. quarterback. What is Quinn Ewers? Pro-style quarterback. And there's also conversation right now that an elite 11 finalist quarterback who's trying to decide between Ole Miss and Houston, and now Mike Yersich is getting involved, Maddox Cop. Uh, so, you know, there, and he's a pro-style guy, 6'5", 210. You know, so, you know, he fits what he's looking for. So I think that's really what it came down to. I don't think it was competition at all. Yeah, but at the same time, um, you have to, well, I mean, like I mentioned, I completely understand where he's coming from. One, um, obviously there was that rebuilt coaching staff at Texas. Um, You have a five-star, probably the top, one of the top recruits in the country um, over any recruiting cycle coming in. But not just that, you have Hudson Card waiting in the wings as well. And he's exactly your type of guy. He's probably one of the most gifted pastors um, to come through Texas in quite some time. And so I'd be really surprised if Hudson Card doesn't uh, take over that starting role in 2021. So I think there's a lot of factors that went into his uh, decommitment. But on Texas's side and from where they're coming from, I think they still have so much talent in that room that it didn't impact them too much. I mean, yeah, you look at it. You got Casey Thompson, four-star, 
quarterback. He's got two more years of eligibility left. Uh, then you look over at Hudson Card, the number two ranked dual dual threat quarterback of the 2020 class. Quentin Jackson, the number three ranked dual threat quarterback of the 2020 class. So both of them are going to have four years of experience if they redshirt. Right. And actually, but- the redshirt doesn't even matter this year uh, because the NCAA uh, Division One Council is passing a rule that they're going to freeze eligibility this season. So even if you play, it won't count. Uh, so essentially, you could get five years out of these guys. So, but it kind of feels like, and people have talked a lot about it, and you've alluded to it, Cami, that it might be Hudson Card's year. But however, that new rule could change things because Sam Ellinger could stay another year, uh, and then we might go from Sam Ellinger right to Quinn Ewers. Yeah, but I'm thinking um, even if they do kind of freeze that eligibility this season, like you mentioned, um, it depends on how Ellinger produces this season. And I think if he kind of increases that draft stock to where it's more realistic to enter the NFL draft like he was probably expecting, then I think he'll go that route. And obviously we think he'll get um, invited to the Senior Bowl and things like that to try and increase his draft stock as well. So I think it kind of depends on um, Ellinger's season, how he produces, whether there's any injuries, anything along those lines. But um, I do, I am leaning towards Card taking over in 2021 just the way um, I guess the react, initial reactions from Card at fall camp so far have been. And um, obviously I just mentioned he's one of the most gifted passers. I think he's more of your such as guy uh, rather than more dual threat like Casey Thompson. So uh, I don't know. That's going to be one of the most interesting. And I guess no one really knows how that quarterback competition battle is going to play out in 2021. There's so many different factors uh, that can come into it. Yeah, I think um... – you know, it might come down to it like he did last season prior to the Alamo Bowl where he submits his paperwork to the NFL advisory board just to see. And if he likes what he hears, maybe he goes ahead and declares. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's going to be weird because seniors are going to have to declare this year because they can come back another year. Yeah, that's – I mean, if I were to tell you what I think Ellinger would do if he has even just as successful as this season as last year, I think for sure he's going to the NFL draft. But, I mean, there's so many different ways this season could play out um, or not even play out at all. Maybe they only get like two or three games in. So it's just too early to tell. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit more into Sam Ellinger right after this. All right, Cammie, I was checking out ESPN's FPI. You know what mm-hmm. that is, right? Sure do. Uh, football Power Index. Well, they came out with the win probability for the Texas Longhorns game by game. Mm-hmm. They got Texas going 9-1. and one. That's pretty favorable, and I think actually pretty realistic. I'm assuming their one loss was to Oklahoma, but hopefully Texas and Oklahoma get to face off twice. So we'll see. Yeah, so the interesting part about that, the win probability that they had for the Oklahoma game was Texas win probability was at 48.4%. So wow. it's close to 50-50. That's a top-up. Yeah, toss-up. Yeah, so it's really a toss-up game. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, obviously, their opening game against – UTEP on September 12th, they have Texas at 99.8% win probability. Yeah, that's, that's pretty closest, much. That's uh-huh. the closest sure bet as you're going to get. Exactly. Uh, opening game at Lubbock against Texas Tech, they have 78.1%. 
That's fairly high, but I mean, these conference games can go either way, you know, especially with Texas Tech. But yeah, I think that's a pretty for sure win there. Yeah, so the the obviously they're going to open up with wins against, or if going by win probability, they would win against UTEP at home, travel to Lubbock, beat them, come back home, beat TCU, win probability at 77.7%, and then drop their first game of the year on October 10th. Uh, and then proceed to go on a streak of winning six consecutive games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the talent-wise on Texas roster is enough to even go undefeated, which I know you're joking um, on me about with one of the recent roundtables recently. But I think it's realistic, and they have enough talent. I'm just unsure about um, the coaching staff, obviously two new coordinators. Um, they're in inconsistency issues, but from a talent standpoint, I think they're most they're they are the most talented team in the conference. So um, I think one or two losses is uh, just as realistic as them going undefeated. Yeah, I I mean I I could see it a multitude of ways. You know, with with the uncertainty surrounding Oklahoma, brand new quarterback, their best running back just opted out. They don't have C.D. Lamb. Uh, they get injuries on both sides of the ball. I mean, I could I could see it go either way. I could see right. Texas losing that game. I could see him winning that game. Uh, one of the biggest games of the year is going to happen on Halloween. Uh, and it's not to discredit Oklahoma at all, but Texas has to travel to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. They got Texas projected to win that mm. 59%. Oh, yeah. I think, see, I think that one's a toss-up. I think that's, um, if not their most, or I guess toughest game, uh, you just mentioned every all the question marks surrounding Oklahoma, and uh, we know the talent that Oklahoma State has on offense alone. So uh, especially traveling away for that game on Halloween night, that's going to be very, very tough. Um, but Texas has to win that game. It's almost a must win for them. Yeah, their second highest win probability is against Kansas. They got 94.4%, but they got to travel to Lawrence in the colder weather. Uh, we're talking late November. Yeah, but I think that's a fairly um, confident uh, percentage there, so they should have no trouble. All right, did you see the Pro Football Focus put out their rankings? They ranked all 130 FBS quarterbacks, and they had Sam Ellinger at number six. Oh, I actually saw um, Ellinger was in 24-7 Sports' his top uh, college football players. He was, I believe, the fifth quarterback, so that's interesting. Yeah, they had him at number six. He was the number one Big 12 quarterback. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. he was going to be ahead of Brock Purdy, who, who, whenever you look at these lists, it almost feels like those are the two guys you hear as the top two quarterbacks. Uh, no disrespect to Spencer Rattler. He will get his time. Right. Uh, but, you know, but the unknown that surrounds him, uh, mm -hmm. I think is a big reason why people aren't. Uh, focus on him right now but you know I thought it was interesting um, any surprises when you look at you know as high as they had Spencer um not not particularly I mean I, I it, it's more a projection like like you mentioned there's too many question marks he's inexperienced there's too many question marks surrounding him he obviously was a highly touted recruit um, we know how talented he can be, but um, there's that Oklahoma team is just going to look so different, uh, not only at quarterback. So I, I think he should be a bit lower for this uh, upcoming season, but 
Um, like you mentioned, Ellinger and Purdy, I think, are without a doubt the top two quarterbacks within the conference. And um, Ellinger, I think, in general, is probably a top four or five quarterback um, in the country. So, yeah, that's I'll, interesting. I'll tell you, the the Big 12 rankings, the only one I had a problem with, they had Alan Bowman, Texas Tech quarterback, who can't stay healthy. When he is healthy, he's good, mm-hmm. but he can't stay healthy. They had him ranked 50th overall and sixth in the conference. They had Spencer Sanders, ninth in the conference behind Alan Bowman, Jarrett Dagey, Max Dugan, and then Spencer Sanders at ninth, ranked 84th overall. I didn't agree with that at all. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Charlie Brewer, who can't really stay healthy with all those concussion problems. Where was he located? Uh, Charlie was 26th overall. He was ranked fifth. He was one spot behind Skylar Thompson from Kansas State. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I thought Spencer to me is the fourth or fifth best quarterback right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably realistic. Okay. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I was listening to the Ross Tucker podcast. Uh, My buddy Emery Hunt, he's on Twitter at the football game plan. Uh, They were on there talking about the NFL draft, and obviously they were talking about Big 12 players, and they brought up Sam Ellinger. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned he's probably going to the Senior Bowl this year, uh, looking to increase his draft stock as we move towards the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, He got a strange comparison. The the comparison that we always hear and that we've heard in the past, I mean, I've had conversations with uh, Trevor Sikama from the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, and he brought up Jake Fromm. Mm-hmm. As a guy, good college quarterback, not probably not going to do much in the NFL. But I thought it was interesting. Emory went with a different Buffalo quarterback. He compared him to former first-round draft pick Josh Allen. Yeah, and I, I don't think that comparison is too far off just in terms of their style of play because neither of them are really the most prolific passers uh, to come out in the draft. But uh, they're strong, they're sturdy, they're super competitive. They can obviously take off with their legs. So I – I actually, and they're strong. Yeah, I, I think that's a kind of realistic comparison, I guess, between the two. I, I definitely don't think Ellinger would be drafted that high um, unless he just randomly goes off this season somehow. But I think Ellinger's more of a second or third round guy at best. So, um, But I understand where I guess where the comparisons are coming from, from a physical standpoint and the, their, both of their style of play, I guess. Yeah, and he talked about that style of play. You know, both of them can be physical runners. I mean, obviously, Ellinger is a guy who can run the football. Uh, you know, you talked about just in the stage of the NFL, you know, they do so well with, with Ellinger and moving the pocket, throwing on the run, um, you know, and he talked about, it. he goes, his short to intermediate game is fine. He goes, NFL teams are going to love that. He goes, once he can develop a little bit more in the, on the intermediate to deep, that's mm-hmm. really where it's going to help him. And that's going to be a big factor. And I, and if I was guessing, that's probably where Mike Yersis is spending a lot of time during camp trying to work on those deep passes that can be more mm-hmm. deep threat. Plus, they got some new weapons this year. Uh, but, you know, we're going to dive more into that. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorn Podcast. Make sure you tune in to our friends over at the Lockdown NFL Draft, Trevor Sekuma, Benjamin Solak. Uh, and we're going to come right back at you tomorrow to check out Friday's show. But for Cammy, I'm Patrick. Keep it locked on. Hook them.